is Angela, and this is the Homestead Education Podcast, where we talk all things homesteading, and we want to share our passion and experience for this lifestyle with you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Homestead Education. It's Mandy and Angela. Hi, Angela. Good morning. Morning. Um, So (laughs) we are taking a little break from talking about gardening and um, our incredible chat with Dr. Temple Grandin and all of the very fun things that we've done recently. And um, we thought we would talk about livestock guardian dogs. Um, it's going to be, I, I don't want to say surface level because we never want to be surface level, but we, I think that we could talk about this for hours. We're going to keep it short to the point. Um, and if we have to come back, we can always do another one, but, uh, we both have, uh, homesteads farms, obviously, um, and rely very heavily on livestock guardian dogs. And, um, there is, I think maybe like with the transition or the influx with a lot of folks wanting to kind of, you know, get into a little bit more of rural living or homestead living or whatever, you know, um, I mean, we've talked about it a multitude of times, kind of the shift from um, maybe where a lot of people were about five years ago versus now. Um, and, you know, people start with poultry or they start with a couple goats or a couple sheep. And I think a lot of people are realizing that they might actually also need to rely or um, employ a livestock guardian dog. And so there's a lot of recent activity and recent questions. So we just kind of wanted to um, maybe discuss the the most common ones that we've had from folks or just kind of encountered even over the past many, many years. I mean, there's so much Mm -hmm. to cover. Yeah. So I think you introduced it well, that we might have to come back because we don't want to sit here for several hours harping on this topic. But when it comes to livestock guardian dogs, this is not the same as a farm dog. I love farm dogs. You know, we have these dogs that run around and follow us when we ride our horses or they're just hanging out chasing squirrels or maybe they'll run after the fox or whatever. But a a farm dog, that can absolutely be any breed. That could be anything. When we say livestock guardian dog, I really honestly wish they weren't even called dogs. Just like wolves aren't called dogs, mm. coyotes aren't called dogs, livestock guardian dogs are not normal dogs. They should really be called something else. They should have another name. They're in the canine family, but they are not bred to hang out with you. They don't, they don't really want to hang out with you. They're not bred to be fully domesticated in that their thought patterns are completely autonomous. They think for themselves. Mm-hmm. This is an animal almost like... I would liken it to a horse or maybe even cattle. It's about not dominance. It's about respect and creating a partnership. This is not the same as a farm dog. So livestock guardian dog is going to be a select set of breeds. If you were to go type in livestock guardian dog, common ones that would come up with are uh, Marema or Marema is however you pronounce it. There's Great Pyrenees, Anatolian Shepherds, Karakachan. Turkish Kangles, um, there's probably like 18 to 20 more, but they are yeah. a specific set of bred dogs and their lineage, their genealogy goes back 
hundreds if not thousands of years to make them incredibly cold hardy so that they can sustain and they want to be outside in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Trust me, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but mostly they have such a need to protect that they aren't just going to um, maybe engage if they have to in some sort of physical altercation and then kind of run away if it's too intense. They will fight to the death. They are not going to give up. And they're willing to die for their stock. Absolutely. So this is a very different type of animal. I think it's worth talking about maybe some aggression myths or truths that come along with guardian dogs. But I just want to make sure from the beginning that we're very clear that this episode is not going to pertain to your lab, your German shepherd, (laughs) your (laughs) whatever. This is a livestock guardian dog episode. Yeah, they're totally different. I mean, yeah, you. I mean, there's there's not a whole bunch else to be said. Yeah, they're dogs, and you know, a lot of. I think uh, there are a lot of like mixes, and um, you know, people will breed like a Great Pyrenees and in a lab or something like that, and um, fine and well. I would wholeheartedly disagree that that you could never you you cannot call that a, a livestock guardian dog. Um, And it's all, like Angela said, it all just traces back to breed specifics, but that holds true for all species of animals. If you think about it, horses, right? We have different breeds of horses and certain ones are equipped based off of their genetics and lineage and skill sets to do different things. Um, and I mean, it, it, uh, it's it yeah poultry um certain breeds will lay more eggs than others and that is you cannot change that that's not something that you can alter um so it's i think that the the common thing or what is most i guess more most critical or important to me or there's multiple things or just a, at least a few when people have questions about livestock guardian dogs and um their skill set or how to train them or, you know, it's their first one. You, they've always had, I call, I say house dog and livestock guardian dog. It's just the best way to differentiate. Um, there are so many similarities, uh, in my opinion, to the way that we train them. And also there are so many differences. So, it, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably, you know, getting ahead of myself a little bit, but Angela's right in the fact that um, these dogs, uh, there are specific breeds that are considered livestock guardian dogs, and they're that way for a reason, cannot alter or change or mix or create um, your own. Um, Certainly two livestock guardian dog breeds bred together would still be fine, but um, I think that's kind of important to know because it is you know, a lot, a lot of great Pyrenees and St. Bernard's like, oh my gosh, that makes like the cutest puppy, but no way can that be considered a livestock guardian dog. You're going to have two completely different skill sets and dogs, and they're not going to all come out at the same time. Um, and you're going to be highly disappointed down the road. Um, so I, I mean, when you rely on a dog, yeah, like we do, we have a very different relationship with a guardian dog than we do with our house dogs. We both have house dogs. We both have guardian dogs. 
when you put your trust and you rely on a guardian dog to protect your stock at all times, at all costs, that behavior cannot waver. That behavior needs to be consistent. And that, that is what makes the animal, um, a, a good addition to our farm portfolio. As I know, Mandy's, you have a predator problem. You need something to come in and protect your stock. It needs to be something you can count on. Otherwise it's not fair to the poultry, the small hoof stock, whatever. If you're just Mm -hmm. sometimes going to have them protected, right. And sometimes have them in dangerous way, you need something that's going to keep them safe. And that's what guardian dogs do. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, in an effort to, again, cause we could literally sit here and talk about this for hours. So maybe in an effort to not do that for everybody's sake. Um, I don't know. I, I think it might behoove us. So uh, to just kind of maybe go over like common conversations that we maybe have with people or, um, your experience or, or something like that. I mean, um, uh, I would say for us, um, well, I guess we have four livestock guardian dogs that, and we're not going to get, I mean, um, the number of dogs that you need, um, are not necessarily, they're not necessarily related at all to the amount of land that you have. They're going to be more directed towards your predator load. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, and I think the, uh, one of the most common things are, are things that people, uh, struggle with is, oh my gosh, I brought home, uh, a livestock guardian dog puppy. It's like, what do I do now? Um, and I am really, uh, passionate about these dogs and also, um, opinionated probably, um, I would say. And I also agree, um, or, um, believe that nobody, including us, like not, we, we can't tell you what to do fully. Um, I think that when we talk, we can share, this is all, you know, our experiences, but I'm very, um, aware and, um, again, passionate that every single dog is going to be different. Like I said, we have four dogs. They are all different. They've all required different, um, training modules, you know, a lot overlap. Um, but you can't implement what you've done. Definitely not with like a house dog, um, and apply it to a livestock guardian dog. And you can't apply, I mean, both your dogs, I would say they're different. Totally. Yeah. Totally different. And I can see that Angela actually has one of our puppies and Mm -hmm. Dahlia is like one of our most reserved. Well, if she's the most reserved dog that we have, um, I would also say she's probably the most loyal out of all four of them. Um, But I don't know. So, again, back to uh, – I don't know. Do you want to talk about the the differences in your two? Yeah. So I have – you know, Mandy has bred, and she is on the Great Pyrenees train. I have an Anatolian Shepherd, and then I also have one of Mandy's Great Pyrenees. And, um, it's interesting how different they are. Now for me, I don't know if it's completely personality based or breed based. I'm sure it's a little bit of both. Uh, but I'll just tell you. So I actually, what my Anatolian shepherd was my first dog. I got him from a nearby farm here in central New Jersey. 
We used to have a fox that became so brazen with our flock that she would go in and out of outbuildings. At that point in time, a guardian dog wasn't really on my radar, so I used to have a heart trap. And I wasn't going to catch it and kill her anything. I was going to relocate it. Well, I didn't catch the mother. I caught one of the babies. Hmm. And so when I had this baby in this cage, I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this now? Like, I didn't, I didn't catch the mom. You know, it just, it wasn't in alignment with, with my whole practice as a, a permaculture farmer. I gave the baby back and it was just kind of like, I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. So I decided to get the guard dog. His presence alone is enough to deter predators, but I do keep him with the stock, with his poultry by night. I got him at a farm that breeds dogs to guard poultry because that's not something you can really necessarily um, shape on your own. It's very hard to take a dog and to make it not see poultry as its natural food, especially a livestock guardian dog. So for him to be okay with poultry is, is I'm not, I'm not going to say it's not normal. It's just, it's, it's one of the exceptions to, I think maybe the general rule. So he's with them by night. Um, Aksu is very much an aggressor. He will not only alert and sound a loud bark and a warning charge at a threat, he will take it out. So we're not going to talk about that further because I don't want hate mail. Mm -hmm. Uh, Orsa, (laughs) Orsa, on the other hand, um, so she's about, what, a year and a half now, Mandy? Yeah, this uh, July 4th, she'll be two. Okay. So she's not quite coming to her own yet, but there's enough personality traits to say that she's definitely more reserved than Axel. I would mm-hmm. say she's more of an alarm. I don't think, maybe later from learning from Axel, but as of now, I don't think she will have the same um, aggressive tendencies that he mm-hmm. does. I think that she will tell him that there's a problem and he'll probably remove it if the thing isn't backing away. Mm-hmm. Um Orsa right now is not poultry safe, but I don't need her to be poultry safe. I need her to be sheep safe. That's her flock. She's got the flock of sheep and Axel has the flock, the birds. And it works out really well for us. We play to their strengths. Um, Their personalities are different. So training, like Mandy said, has been a little bit different. Um, But I will tell you with Orsa, and maybe Mandy can confirm this or not, if she sees somebody walk by on the road with a dog 20 minutes ago, we're still barking about it. (laughs) <laughs> Axlu will bark at the person going by the road. And when it's out of sight, it's gone. Don't get me wrong. He would love to chase after it, but mm-hmm. he's contained. So uh, it, it could be breed differences. It could be personality differences. I think it's probably both. Yeah. Um, like you said. Uh, yeah. I mean, full. And I think, again, that's kind of the point of why we just wanted to talk. Um, and this is more just like a very casual, candid conversation. Uh, but that is something that I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, and again, it like fires me up because you can't, it, (laughs) it is, it is, it is a pure, um, relationship that you have with all, with any and all of these dogs, because like Angel kind of said in the beginning, this is not like, um, they, yes, they want to be, they want to like be with you and they're very sweet. And I mean, we snuggle with ours down at the barn and hang out with them and all, all those types of things, but they're, they want to work for you. Like you can just tell they want 
to, you have a relationship with them. They want to please you. And what I say all the time is you're not the boss. So I'm not the boss and the dog is not the boss. You work together. Um, and totally. until you figure out how to work together with your livestock guardian dog, I think that that is where people struggle. Um, it is a it is a cohesive symbiotic relationship that you have with the dog, and once you figure out that you know flow, it it all just makes sense. And there will be a day that it it does it does make sense. Okay, I'm gonna back up. So uh, when you bring home a livestock on your dog, you bring home a puppy. Um, I would place them with in the barn and something like that. However, you know, everybody's setup is so different, so it, it can't be pinpointed or specific, but, um, uh, like the look, don't touch method of they can see the stock, but they can't get to them. And the stock can see the dog, but the, they can't get to the dog. Um, and this starts at day one. I mean, sure. You want to bring the dog inside for a bath or like snuggles with your kids or whatever. That's fine. But then I would kick them outside. Um, and that's not cruel. Like Angela said at the beginning, that is exactly what they are bred to. They want to do it. Um, things that we do to help with, um, the, you know, puppies in the early stages that have a radio on in the barn, um, or something like that to not necessarily drown out their crying because they're dogs. They're going to do the same thing as your puppy, your, your lab would do inside the house. They're likely going to cry when you walk away. Um, but all dogs stop doing that. <laughs> Um, so that, that's just a, that's just what happens, but, uh, and then you kind of, uh, start working with, with the dog and the whole process from that usually is about from 10 weeks to two years of age. So we're not talking about something that's like, um, you know, they're ready to rock and roll by month four, you know, uh, it's just not a situation like that. I think it all ties back into the trust that you place in the dog and the, um, well, I mean, for still a lack of better, the, the immense amount of trust that you have to leave the farm or go to bed or whatever, and know that everything's going to be fine. Uh, and I think that's probably the biggest struggle for people is what is, uh, knowing that, you know, it's, uh, it's a long road. I think what also is very challenging as somebody who, I mean, I'm not as seasoned as you with livestock guardian dogs, Axu's three going on four, maybe. So that's, that's how long I've had guard dogs. Um, and I can remember when getting into it, the amount of sheer conflicting information that's out there, right? It is very lax for some people and for other people, it is for lack of a better word, militant like mm -hmm. it is so regimented mm -hmm. and if you're not doing it this way you're doing it wrong and it can quite frankly be very overwhelming I think what I found is that I would use a lot of books videos websites what have you as general guides but that does not mean like Mandy was saying before that that is what is going to be Best for us. So when I got Axlu and I didn't have another livestock guardian dog out there, he was a puppy, right? I brought him home at eight weeks untrained from the farm. So I was going to train him. I did not have him stay with the farm that he was bred at, which a lot of people would refer to as a started dog. They're going to start teaching it 
um, how to protect, what is appropriate. Basically, you're, you're getting some of that training and conditioning from its its family members, its pack. So I brought this puppy home at six weeks old. And at that time, our setup was very different. I did not have a place outside that I could put Axlu and feel that he would be safe from predators because he was so little. And so in the beginning, I did keep him in the house. And guess what happened? I found out very quickly that livestock guardian dogs, for the most part, are naturally nocturnal. It would be like a switch flipped Mm -hmm. at 9 p.m. at night. Mm -hmm. And this pup, it wasn't crying. It was barking, agitation, wanting to look out the windows as a puppy. Like Mm -hmm. I have pictures of him when he was six weeks old guarding a Clydesdale. Finnegan is behind him. And actually sitting there in front of him like, I got this. It is so ingrained in them. And so it became this uh, very strange experience for me to find a place outside where I felt Axu could be safe as a pup without another guardian dog to watch him. And it ended up being in the barn. We made him a space and he was out there and he immediately, his anxiety went down. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be outside because otherwise, how are they supposed to hear a threat if they're indoors? That's the thing. I think a lot of folks tend to still liken guardian dogs to house dogs, but they, they, they're, if they're bred to protect, they don't feel that they can do that. If you're removing them, you're taking their senses away, right? You're, you're not exposing them to sights and sounds and smells. Well, and I think that the, another point too, is they will start to bond with their stock immediately. I mean, that's why it's important to, and again, I feel like we could go so, so deep into this, but that's why it's important to source your, you know, your dog from a working farm. And most of the time they're literally born outside or born in the barn. And they, you know, from the time that their eyes open, they are seeing whatever stock that that farm has um, and they're around them. And, you know, it, um, and so they, that bonding experience starts immediately. Um, and so you want that, you want that to be with whatever they're going to be around and what you want them to, you know, quote unquote, protect. Um, but I will say that doesn't mean that you can't ever bring a new animal to the farm. Oh, no right? way. Yeah. We bring in yeah. new goats and, and I mean, yeah, yeah, no way, no way. I mean, they should be, again, the dog, the goal is the dog is, is, it's a trusting relationship between you and the dog. And so like when we would bring in a new goat or like if we were like, we brought in a buck, uh, it's not ours. It's only was, you know, only here for less than two months. Um, mm-hmm. Literally just like walked the, the goat down there. They have never seen the goat before. They don't know who it is, but they saw me bring the goat in. Yes. So they don't care. They know, There's, okay, this is not a threat. There is a process mm-hmm. to introduction. Meaning I have to show them that this quote unquote stranger or intruder is actually acceptable. Yeah. Same but with people, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, the Amazon guy, the UPS guy, the dogs won't bark at it. If they can see the person come to the door from their pasture mm-hmm. or if I have mm-hmm. them out with me, they recognize these these faces, right? That come here regularly. Now, if dog, cat, coyote, rabbit, person were to come on the farm unaccompanied by me or mm-hmm. my husband, they would sound their alarms immediately. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's, you know, it's, it's a lot of dogs in general, but it's, it's more 
these dogs that uh this is their this is their domain this is this is their territory um and on that same note you had mentioned earlier that actually would you know chase after whatever driver or or fox or whatever you had said um yeah another thing too uh that i think a lot of people struggle with is how to contain their livestock guardian dog also a huge huge advocate for there's you cannot have no fence, right? Whether that's an actual fence, that you, a physical fence that you can see, an underground fence, you know, electric fence, whatever it is, they have to have boundaries. Otherwise, they're going to set their own boundaries. And their own boundaries are not going to be your, they're, they're, they're going to be far beyond how many acres you own. Um, I mean, I think we both agree that a physical fence is best. Sure. My yeah. entire property is not physically fenced in because we have waterways. And so I can't fence over those areas. And so my pastures are fenced and I keep the dogs in there. But there's a lot of times like right now they're out of the fences. They're having they're in their off duty. They're having a break. It's nice outside. So I let them out to roam around. They will blow through my electric fences. So I've hmm. got a monitor on their collars right now. As I'm yeah. wa- having this conversation with Mandy, I am watching where they are on the, the property map. It's called the Dog Trap Pathfinder. And uh, it allows me to see them. That way I can just give them a quick buzz if mm-hmm. they step outside. They're always going to test their limits. Always, 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 oh, yeah. always. Oh, yeah. We found Wyatt one time about 12 miles away. Not 12, like, blocks. 12 miles. miles. Yeah, I actually got out one night. And uh, there's a buffalo farm not too far from here. Down the highway. Mm. He wandered down there. Took a little tour on the buffalo farm. Thank God. Buffalo didn't, like, gourd him to death. <laughs> Came back, Mandy, it said by the time that I went to bed and woke up, he was back in the farm. He was in my yard. He'd gone 20.23 miles. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. The dog ran a marathon. Yeah. So that's another thing, too. I mean, the, um, the, the goal here is to, you know, encourage um, you um, whoever's listening to work with your dog and figure out what works best, but become a partner with that dog. But also it is our responsibility to set that dog up for success. I also truthfully like deep in my bones, um, uh, believe that, um, we are responsible for setting them up for success. And that means all of these things having an actual fence, not letting them roam, you know, because then they come back and you're mad and, and they're confused and they don't, they don't know. And, um, it's our job. <laughs> it, we want yeah. them to work for us, but it's our job. Um, most often when you have things or when you see things, um, you know, about instances or altercations or, you know, uh, God forbid, you know, a livestock guardian dog going off property and getting on somebody else's property and being shot because they didn't know that dog, you know, whatever. That's not the dog's fault. It's the human's fault. 100%. Um, and so it is, it's like having a, a working farm and hiring a human, like you would, you treat the dog kind of the same. And I know to a lot of people that might literally sound crazy, but once you get one um, and you actually like see what that bond and see what that experience is, you'll understand. Um, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how that's all I got. 
No, I'm just kidding. But like, <laughs> I think we should definitely revisit revisit the topic. Anything from basic livestock guardian dog care to introduction to the animals. Like we could we could have different episode topics and talk about each sure. one in depth. I think for now, the point we want to drive home is a livestock guardian dog is a great idea if you have a predator load. Yep. The amount of predators you have determines the quantity of dogs. Mm-hmm. But overall, this is a brief introduction to what keeping a livestock guardian dog entails and hopefully to um, urge you to do research, not just in what kind of fencing is, but like the different breeds, they mm-hmm. all have different characteristics. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're going to find you don't need a livestock guardian dog. Maybe a farm dog is okay. Maybe you, you can just have your farm dogs run around and that'll be enough for you. I don't think that you want to go through this level of commitment of investment if you don't have to. Honestly, it is a lot. This yeah. is a lot of work. Yeah, I think that that's probably the the one of the best take homes of what we talked about. It's a it is a huge commitment. It's not like you know, obviously getting any animal or bringing a puppy home from a shelter and having them inside your house and you know potty training and doing all of that. It's also a commitment. I'm not downplaying that at all, um, but it's different. And so I think that that's important. If anybody's like thinking about you know looking for a livestock guardian dog or maybe you have one and you're kind of struggling i encourage you to maybe just change your mindset a little bit um and that might help and what i mean by that is just um working with the dog like we've said recognizing that the dog is your is your partner and recognizing that the dog is different than likely any other dog that you've ever raised um but yeah we will revisit this maybe we will just um do like common questions and in like a rapid fire session or something like that. Um, and answer the most common questions, uh, from, you know, A to B or whatever uh, about livestock guardian dogs, but this is a good place to start. So we'll, we'll maybe leave it at that. I feel a question box coming on. (laughs) (laughs) I feel terrified of that question box, but I think we probably will do it. Probably do it. All right. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. We hope we hope you've enjoyed today's episode. We will see you again soon. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Homestead Education Podcast. Any relevant material will be put in the show notes. We hope you'll share our episodes and also click that subscribe button. For more information about this podcast, you can visit us on Instagram at Homestead Education Podcast. Angela can be found online at axeandroothomestead.com and on Instagram at axeandroothomestead. Mandy can also be found online at thefarmermandy.com and on Instagram at wildoakfarms. We'll see you next time.